1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind
2: the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you on this morning, this fabulous morning after the night before, of course, Test match down in Christchurch, it came out of nothing. We all thought rain was going to dominate, we had so many texts saying there will be no prospect of play. Uh, just uh, don't worry about it. It'll be a draw they uh, they hardly get any cricket. Well, they got cricket all right They got spectacular cricket down there and of course uh, the black caps uh, came out on top Brilliant, absolutely brilliant uh, Brant, uh, of course, uh, is a great supporter of our show between 9 and 12. Uh, they are your local John Deere equipment supplier uh, doing great things too to help out people in uh, cyclone relief at the moment uh, providing equipment and vehicles and information, so uh, make sure that uh, if you need some advice in in, uh, that regard, uh, your first port of call is one of the brand outlets around the country. Uh, We shall be talking cricket, and we're lucky enough to get Blair Tickner. Of course, uh, he was the man sitting watching, was next man in, actually. Um, So uh, what were his thoughts? It's his first test win and only his second test, uh, two in a row. So we'll head inside the Black Caps uh, camp very, very shortly. Uh, 9.30, we're going to open up the lines to cricket lovers in particular. Uh, what did you think about how that? How do you get two in, an, in two tests? Two like that. You win one by one run and one by one wicket. It's quite staggering, really. So I'd love to hear from people who are watching it yesterday, even if you were in Christchurch. It was a little bit chilly last night, and uh, they finished it under lights. But if you were there, I'd love to hear about the atmosphere. So please uh, dial us on 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Your reaction to and what do you think of Kane Williamson? Come on, uh, how high up in your pecking order now of New Zealand sportsmen is Kane Williamson? So that's uh, after 9:30 this morning. We shall also, uh, after 10 o'clock, be talking supercars. But a controversy, wasn't there, at the weekend. So Aaron Noonan, SEN supercars commentator, will be with us uh, just after 10 o'clock. We're going to have a stumped a bit earlier this morning at 10.30. Uh, We're going to talk to Bruce Young on the wash-up from the Players' Championship. Uh, Bruce, of course, is a well-known golf journalist and analyst. So talk about Scotty Scheffler. What is it about this cool young kid who has uh, just taken the golfing world by storm in the last 13 to 14 months? Uh, around about 11:30, we're going to have uh, some ag insights as part of uh, our Tuesday show each week uh, with uh, Aroha Hathaway, and uh, we'll talk about those uh, subjects. At that point, get us through to Staffy around about midday.
4: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon.
3: Well, no one can admit to enjoying every minute of every job they've ever had, especially when you have been in the workforce for around 45 years. But it certainly helps if you believe in what you are doing and you believe in the product which is at the core of your work. In our case here at SENZ, our product is Sport. And we've been in the business for coming up two years. It's been a pleasure and an adventure actually, learning from and about people young and old who have reached the top in their chosen field, or are deep into that process. Champions, superstars, administrators, world famous, down to club level. It is a unique collective product shared by millionaires with names like Fox and Alka and Co, Olympic champions Carrington, Twig, Pears, Fours and Eights, Sadusky, Sinit, and Porteus, and a multitude of others. Those that back them, administer them, and coach them, or literally, carry their bags world champion teams like the all blacks the black ferns 7s and 15s silver ferns the black caps aspirants like the one new zealand warriors the all whites the white ferns the tall blacks the football ferns all chocker with class individuals with different paths but very similar goals every day every week there's a new story a new angle to investigate zoe hobbs the fastest woman in australasia The latest to have emerged over the weekend. How damn special is that? It's great that SENZ arrived on the scene. Our sport and those involved so deeply committed need it and they deserve it. More and more live commentaries, more and more rights being secured domestically and abroad. This place is growing so quickly. Who wouldn't want to be a part of it? I've been offered a chance to stay on for the long haul and I'm in boots and all, all up to my eyebrows in fact i've seen firsthand lately how sport can be a great lift through despair and loss in your local community we back winners here like the otago nuggets and self-assured and i couldn't do without my two-minute fix every day with izzy and kempi and with staffy too whatever tube you're on so yes it's the long haul with SENZ. why quite simple it's kiwi for sport well then in the space of 2 weeks fans of uh, test cricket have been gifted with two thrilling finishes in New Zealand first the black caps were victors over England by one run and yesterday with play delayed until 3:30 due to rain we had another needing 257 runs and a minimum of 100 of overs to do it uh, 70 in fact the black caps got to work at uh, Hagley Oval spearheaded by another incredible knock by Kane Williamson on 121 not out he finished and at the other end an injured Neil Wagner celebrating his 37th birthday with a famous last ball win and sitting in the stand waiting watching pretty nervous I would imagine is our first guest this morning Black Caps fast bowler and number 11 Blair Tickner good morning to you Blair
5: morning Sly, how are you, going? How
3: are you going? oh I'm going pretty good how are you <laughs> how's the head this morning
5: uh, yeah no, pretty good. We we didn't go too uh, too large last night, having a game on Friday, so it was um, but an enjoyable. Um, yeah, win obviously. Uh...
3: You don't have a limo to take up the Port Hills in Christchurch? Is that just a Basin Reserve thing?
5: Uh yeah, we looked for limo companies, but we couldn't find one late in Christchurch. So no, uh, no, nah. <laughs> nah, we um we we hold it just for the Basin. So yeah, now nah, waiting waiting to get back there, and hopefully we can get another one.
3: Well, share us the emotion that uh, you were uh, part of yesterday in that dressing room because at one stage it looked like it was going to be quite comfortable uh, Kane Williamson going so well with Daryl Mitchell and then all of a sudden there was a bit of mayhem people were uh, getting pads on very quickly I would imagine what was the what was the the feeling like in the room
5: yeah it's obviously different in um, Test match cricket when you can um, spread the field differently to white ball cricket white ball cricket obviously have more guys in the ring and you can get boundaries and non Hegley Park is actually quite hard to score boundaries later on when most guys are on the on the boundary so um it was always going to be quite tight but um um Kane had it calculated well I think.
3: He did uh, what about the the procession of wickets that fell how were you feeling at that point?
5: Uh yeah I was uh didn't really want to bet I'd picked up my gear pretty well um early on so I didn't want to unpack my gear but um, yeah it was I thought Kane had it pretty well calculated so I thought I wouldn't have to that but um, yeah a little bit nervous in the stand waiting on the last over
3: well, I was going to say and then Wags uh, limps out basically with the injuries that he's got Um, <laughs> we, we you went charging out the door before him you just said good luck son
5: yeah it was his um, birthday present to go out in front of me so <laughs> nah, um, we, if he needed to swing at the end, we thought we, he could do that. Um, obviously, if he got stuck down one end. So, um, he yeah, he definitely got down the other end for us. So, uh, it was pretty awesome to have him there at the end.
3: The w- the plan to run a bye. Those little, the smallest little contingencies. Um, uh, and it came out of a day where when you woke up, the rain was falling. And you probably thought, D-R-A-W, draw. So, how quickly did you have to about face there?
5: Yeah, it obviously we had an early lunch and yeah, it didn't look very likely. And then, sort of playing games in the change rooms, and all of a sudden they said we we're a chance to um, play some cricket. And the ground dried really fast, and it was it almost it was nice having a shorter chase um, just to really break it down. So we knew what sort of numbers we needed, and yeah, it was, it was obviously an exciting finish.
3: So you, you talked about it as a group beforehand, the, the plan, because, you know, there have been days gone by where you would think, oh, well, we've lost so much time, you know, this is a pretty hard run, Chase, let's just bat it out. Um, what was the change in attitude there?
5: Yeah, I think it's sort of like white ball. You give you give targets to guys that want targets, and then you also let guys have the freedom to... Um, that normally if they if they usually do that in white pool so were sort of targets there for the guys that wanted them and then we sort of just went about it um breaking it down throughout and um yeah like i said it was calculated perfectly in the end by kane and um it was obviously a bit tighter than we wanted but um yeah no, it was an awesome
3: finish yeah. i mean you're you're a new boy on the block in terms of uh, test cricket blair just number two for you this one when you look at a guy like a Kane Williamson, you look across the dressing room at a guy, um, and then his reaction to like a win like that. What are your impressions of Kane Williamson as a, as a new teammate?
5: Yeah, it's pretty special to play alongside guys like that, especially Barbie career It's just um, you see how much it um, really means to them as part of the team for many years. So um, yeah, just being part of that is awesome. Um, even on two games, but. Yeah, hopefully a um, few more to celebrate.
3: Right, let's look at um, the bowling side of things. So you picked up the first four wickets and the the second innings. That must have been a, a nice confidence booster for you. What did you feel it, you did dif- different at the beginning of that second innings?
5: Yeah, I think we just uh, talked to some of the guys about um, how I went about it in the first innings and then sort of broke it down and what what I wanted to do and how I sort of do it in first class cricket and went went and made it pretty simple for myself, and um, it obviously paid off, but it was more that, that I had a clear plan on what I was doing, and um, it, yeah, it was awesome to get a few wickets at, at
3: start. There used to be an old adage uh, uh, about bowling um, line and length. Is, is that something that comes into mind? Is that, is that part of the plan, particularly with a new ball, or are you, are you more an into the wicket bowler that, that looks for bounce?
5: Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm different to the guys like Tim and Henners that are um, yeah obviously bowl a bit fuller than me. I do hit the wicket hard, and I yeah I bowl a different length. So sometimes I get a little bit caught up on yeah trying to do something different instead of just doing what I uh, usually do in first-class cricket. So that was one of my things to get back to, and um, obviously it, it paid off in the end. But um, yeah, not really getting caught up in trying to do something different.
3: Blair, um, obviously, one of the differences between Test cricket and um, first class cricket, and you've bowled to two pretty good batting line ups with England and uh, Sri Lanka, admittedly, is your margin for error is uh, a lot smaller. They tend to punish things more so than domestic cricketers, yeah?
5: Yep, yep, 100%. Um, and then just knowing where they're obviously going to hit the ball if you, you, you are. Bowling later on, obviously the wickets um, aren't doing that much later on in the test matches, so just, yeah, having your fielders in the right spots and obviously executing open over
3: again. I would imagine too that, you know, if you look at uh, uh, players' careers over the years, um, in the past, uh, you look at runs per over and and, and that sort of thing, you you kind of think, well, maybe if you go for three and over, two and a half, three and over, that's pretty damn good, but... That's, uh, there's an attitude change in batting these days it seems, prompted I guess by England to suggest that even if you're getting wickets you're probably going to, your, your runs per over conceded over a, a long period of time it's probably going to be more.
5: Yeah, I think yeah, the whole whole game's changing obviously with all the white ball cricket but um, also trying to push the results now the Test Championships so um, yeah, it is part and parcel of it, of it but it also creates opportunities for wickets even if you have you guys out sleep, on the sleeping boundaries but you can still have the catches in and that's what we saw against england we we get wickets in a hurry if we um put the ball in the right areas so it's good for bowlers as well um if you can execute so um no it's exciting
3: can i ask you are you a part of the group uh, you went on the uh in the playing side of things at the basin reserve but you were part of the uh, you know a part of the uh, the unit playing yesterday can you compare the two dramas, as I sort of alluded to earlier? I mean, most players don't get this in their whole career. They can play 50, 60 tests and not have finishes like that. Uh, you, the teams had two in a week. How how would they compare the two? Which would you say was the most valuable?
5: Yeah, well, it's hard to really um, compare them at, at the base. And I think I, we were on the sideline. It went, you know, flows of thinking that we're going to win and not going to win and uh, it was awesome. It was a crazy result um, at the base. And then to have something like that last ball, uh, it's hard to compare, really. It's, um, it's pretty exciting to test cricket. And I'm not going to tell you which one's better or what one's worse. But no, uh, it, was, it was awesome to be in the change rooms both times.
3: Right. OK, well, you've been playing on a bit of emotion lately. And I, I need to find out a, a bit about this from you, Blair. And, um, you know, it's been tough for you. Um, because of the the effects you're you're a bay boy a hawks bay boy of course born and bred uh the effects of the cyclone here um but it's been personal for you hasn't it
5: yeah obviously just before the um well my first test the cyclone hit and it was um yeah pretty devastating for the whole community of St hawks bay you'd know and um yeah obviously my father's house um in nawa Miani area got yeah pretty well done so um it was yeah pretty crazy to go back to in between tests and it's yeah it's sort of when you're away playing cricket you you tend to get into the normal um way of life but you you yeah, know see the scenes still back in, in in the community that are still hurting a lot so um yeah it's been it's been a yeah, pretty tough few weeks
3: how did it affect you uh, personally because uh, we we know you know you're heavily involved uh, in it with, with your parents and that, but I mean at the end of the day, cricket's just a game, isn't it? And life is a little bit uh, deeper than that. So, how did it dominate your thinking?
5: Yeah, well, in the first test, or well, even in my first white ball games, I think I was like heavily nervous and I didn't really uh, have that great of sleep. But the night before um, my first test, it was more thinking about the cyclone and it sort of took my mind off. Yeah. Cricket in a way, and it sort of when I got to the ground, I knew that I had the freedom to play and play for the Hawks Bay, and it was yeah, it was obviously a great privilege to play. But um, yeah, it's always on your mind.
3: Yeah, you, you uh, some of your, your Stags teammates rallied around. Is that is that the, true?
5: Yeah, yeah. I um, they were looking, they were just helping out around around Pakawai and um, Mianiautauri area and they were just asking for the odd job to help out clear houses around and they were doing a great job and then I got home from that test and they asked if the old man needed some help clearing their house so we we did a couple days work there and yeah they were awesome um, for us um, clearing all that out and when you got about 15 guys it always happens way faster.
3: Yeah, it does. Uh, It's a great story, actually. It's a great story of of Unity, because the other thing um, I noticed is that uh, what people may or may not know is you're a cafe owner. Um, Your cafe is the 13th Stag. Why is that?
5: Yep, Uh, 13th Stag. um, Obviously, my plane number 13 and played for the centre Stag, so that came about about three and a half years ago now and um, sort of battled through COVID and now flood and everything else, so... The still still alive and kicking, so I'm um, I'm sure that we'll, we'll keep going.
3: So you were um, also uh, providing help for what first first responders and people who were heavily involved.
5: Yeah, so we had the fire crews, helicopter um, pilots, and some guys that came over from Aussie that were helping out the helping out in the Hawk space. So we um, were putting coffees and hot drinks on for them every morning, and um, yeah, it was just awesome to help out. And we did a um, fundraiser day as well at the cafe, um, giving funds back to um, people help in need. So it's been um, awesome to help out a little bit, but there's been so many amazing people in the Hawks State that have been doing a lot more than me. So just a little bit, a lot a lot for anyone.
3: Okay, right. Um, some good stuff out Are your parents okay?
5: Yeah, they're all right. Um, obviously, my old man has a hire company, so he's been flat out trying to... Get diggers and generators out to people,
3: but um, no, they're all right. That's good to know. Okay, right. Um, now the good news uh, after or during yesterday's play, of course, is that the the Black Caps now have named their one day international squad to play Sri Lanka following the second test match, of course, after the Basin. So you're in that squad for all three, so that would be pleasing. And um, what about the adjustment? Uh, how are you going to find going from red back to white?
5: Yeah, obviously, you get. Um, cool opportunities like that to play White Ball straight after Red ball but it's um luckily it's um one day cricket's a little bit different, you sort of can settle into your length like like test match cricket and then there's a bit of death at the end, so um no excited to get back into the White Ball stuff and then Yeah, it's gonna be it's cool against Sri Lanka and obviously the fundraising game in Auckland.
3: It's quite a young bowling attack when you look at it. Um I, I would imagine the veteran there would be um, Matt Henry, but then you look at um, Ben Lister. Uh, you've got Henry Shipley, yourself. Um, it's it's a pretty young group.
5: Yeah, obviously we've got a, a few other guys going away for the IPL, so um, it just gives opportunities for younger guys coming through and obviously um, show the depth of New Zealand cricket when they're away. So that's no, a good opportunity for us guys that haven't played as much um, cricket.
3: Um, I've also got a question thrown at me here. Just sort of uh, your mullet and moustache combo—is anyone you style yourself on? There you go. Uh,
5: no, I've just sort of grown grown them both out and haven't really thought much of it. And um, after I got married in August, my my wife said that I can do anything with my my styling, so I've just sort of had free reign. So it's been all right.
3: <laughs> great to hear mate uh, Always stay an individual, that's the best thing uh, Great to hear your stories um, uh, About the cyclone And the, and the f- congratulations on the amount of help That you've been able to provide to those responders As well, and bask in the glory Of your first test win mate uh, Absolutely brilliant, think, uh, all the best for What's coming up
5: Cheers yeah,
3: great Yeah uh, great to catch up with you mate Travel safe, uh, it's Blair Tickner folks uh, Been through a bit hasn't he in the last uh, three to four weeks, as test debut, a cyclone uh, knocking over his, uh, his, his family home, basically. Um, ruining it, absolutely. And then having with that, um, to help go out and help people. Uh, just it's staggering. It's a, it's a cool story. And um, the fact that he's able, at the end of the day, to get some sort of uh, enjoyment out of uh, what he loves doing the most and that, of course, is bowling for New Zealand. Quite a, quite a really good good story. 9.24 here on SENZ.
1: Your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or
2: winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Right, uh, text come in. What was the closest test match win-loss that you played in? I'm guessing Carisbrook, 85. Yes, that was uh, the Jeremy Coney-Ewan-Chatfield test match. It was the one you couldn't do anything about. You had to sit and wait. That was the one where Lance Cairns had been struck uh, in the side of the head by Wazi Makram and uh, was carted off. Uh, Would not have been able to bat. I promise you, he was lying prone in the dressing room, so he would not have been able to go back out. Uh, So it was on Ewan-Chatfield and Jeremy Coney. So yes, that was absolutely thrilling. And the one that should have been uh, was Melbourne in 87 when uh, Danny Morrison was denied the LBW on Craig McDermott and Michael Whitney batted out the last over from uh, Richard Hadley, a fatigued Richard Hadley, which was... Uh, I think you nailed them both for me from my point of view, Jason. Uh, they were two memorable ones, but the two I've watched in the last couple of weeks uh, right up there and uh, even not being involved, you still can sort of sense the tension. Right, uh, thanks for that text, uh, Jace. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. What is your? I'd love to hear from you. Um, you watched it if you were watching watching on Spark or even if you are at the ground. I'd Love to hear your impressions of it. Um, the batting collapse, the partnership between uh, Williamson and Mitchell to set it all up, and then all of a sudden the dominoes they started to fall over. Bang 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 bang, um, and you you got to think uh, how could they blow this from this point of view. Um, and uh, Sri Lanka's wides etc have become a bit of a a talking point as well, the spinner bowling wides down the leg side and being called for them uh, by Chris Gaffney so that's interesting, so plenty to talk about um, after the news here with Araha. love to hear and golf fans what about the Scotty Scheffler, tell us what your impressions are of Scott Scheffler 0800 150 811 here's Aroha
2: 14.76am in Auckland, this is SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport.
4: Talk back time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150
3: 811. 9.34 here on SENZ. First caller this morning is uh, Michael from the beautiful Tutukaka. Michael, good morning to you.
6: Smithy, how are you? It is a beautiful day up here today too. Hey, um, I watched the last of the, that game last night and obviously the, the English test. My, my question for you is what is the... Um, my question for you is what... It's a five-day game, right? And and you want to... Like, I, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to get to here is they. Does, does it really matter if they lost a session or lost a whole lot of early wickets early on in it? At the end of the day, they won it. Do you know what I mean? And... Yep. Over five days. So, is there such a thing as a as a bad session, or do we are we getting too exercised because the top order didn't fire? The end of the day, the team fired and we won the match, and we've done it twice in a row.
3: Well, you know, Michael, that's I the mean, beauty of cricketer. Test Cricket
6: yes, it, yeah. You know what I yep. mean. That's yep.
3: the beauty of Test cricket. It's played over a period of time. That's one of the things people don't quite get about it. And the modern civilization that they, that we have these days, people tend to say, look. You know, we can't wait that long. We, we, we want to, you know, we'll give you two or three hours of our time, but we're not going to give you five days. That's ridiculous. Uh, but those that uh, stay with the game, start with the game and stay with the game are rewarded in that capacity because they see those ebbs and flows that you're just talking about. Now, yesterday, for instance, uh, when I went uh, off here at uh, 12 o'clock, I'd basically written the day off because on the forecast that we were given here um, and the text that had come in saying, look, uh, flag it, uh, basically it's not going to happen. Uh, and the attitude of the past of, of uh, New Zealand sides in particular who would say, look, we've lost that much time. It's not a realistic run, chase this anymore. Let's just uh, bat the time out and shake hands around about 5 o'clock. Uh, but that was a change in attitude which I really, did, um, I really did enjoy and at the end of it paid a dividend. You're right. I mean, when you've got, um, you, you, you've got a player like a Williamson and, and you've got a, a gutsy fella by the name of Mitchell who has played so well. Uh, since he's been in this New Zealand side. Uh, they they believe you start to look at the, the scoring rate, you start to look at um, the possibilities, you've, you've got a few wickets in hand, and you start to look at their attitude. And At one point, I think they needed 57 or 57, basically give it away there, thinking, well, it's all done and dusted. What else am I going to do this afternoon? Uh, and then, of course, you get that procession of wickets. Michael, uh, that is the beauty of the game. And, you know, uh, most people that love Test Cricket can't leave it alone.
6: What I enjoyed yesterday, Smithy, was you, you, you're right. Fifty seven from fifty seven, and in a one day match or a T20, that's achievable all day long, right? But then you look at yeah. that game yesterday, and you go, "Hang on, the bowler can he can bowl twenty overs? He's not restricted to ten. He's allowed to bowl. Um, he's allowed to bowl wide as much, you know, within reason. Do you know what I mean? It's a whole different mindset. And fifty seven from fifty seven doesn't sound like much, but. You know, like, it was just, I found it really exciting. And the other thing about a test match is you can get in and out of a test match by watching it over five days because it ebbs and flows, you know, but you can come back to it and you go, yep, that's where this is at now and there's been, this has happened and that's happened. And I just, I think we're a bit harsh sometimes when we say, oh, well, the top order didn't fire or, or, um, um, Latham didn't fire, or whatever it was, you know. In the first innings, it was left to the middle order. In the second innings, probably the top order got us there. But that's what a team game over five days is all about. At The end of the day, we won it, and it was really exciting. And the same with the English game.
3: Yep, absolutely. They both went down to the absolute wire—one um, one defending a score and one chasing a score. So two different we ways to to.
6: Don't, usually you don't get them that close in a one-day game or a, or a T20, you know.
3: No, you're right. If you if you get a, a white ball game finishing along the nature of those two Test matches, did you actually feel as if you've got uh, value for money. Where do you rate Williamson, Michael?
6: Oh, he's got to be right up there now, um, Smithy, and I think um, I think take or well, not taking the, him relinquishing the captaincy. Let's put it that way. I think that's been the making of him. Um, and once again, you know, he he's. He's struggled a bit this year. He's had a couple of, um, you know, twos and threes and, and gone out early and everyone's gone. He's passed it. He's finished it. But look at him yesterday. He played that like a man conducting an orchestra, right? He knew exactly what he was doing. He was calm and composed. I mean, that shot, that four he got with three balls left, I mean, that was just, that's just priceless, that sort of cricket. Do you know what I mean? It's just elegance personified and he's got to be, you know, right up there and in terms of the world's best batsman ever you know i i heard some stats this morning he's his conversion rate to centuries for games played i think he's better than Tendulkar because i think tindalka was like 50 centuries over 200 matches and, and williamson's like 27 over 80 or something like that do you know what i mean so the percentage wise mm. it's incredible
3: yeah it is uh, i mean uh, and it's it's not going to stop as long as his uh, desire is there to keep playing because his professionalism hasn't changed, his preparation hasn't changed, his dedication and his uh, desire just to bat. He's got this unbelievable hunger to stay out there and not give his wicket away, which not many people possess. And a lot of people say they have, um, and that's what they want to do, but he delivers on Pretty much a daily basis. It's, it's quite freakish, actually. He's, he's an absolute champion. Michael, uh, thanks very much for your very informed call. I enjoyed it. Um, it looks like uh, we had Zaid there, and he's just uh, dropped off the line. So uh, we'll try and get Zade back, because he's a regular and uh, he watches it. Um, what a pity that most New Zealanders, uh, says Pete, denied the privilege of following the cricket with New Zealand cricket's poor choice of broadcasting partners. Well, that is uh, a very common theme to uh, a lot of the texts that we get here, Pete. Um, and particularly on occasions like this where uh, you, know, you hear about such a great finish um, but you can't see it and uh, a lot of people can't hear it either which, which is a, it is it, it's, it comes to a head when, when um, you know, the dull boring draws or those games that are uh, very honestly going to feature in one particular fashion uh, people don't tend to say that much but when, it, when you get um, a game of that nature a finish of that nature two out of two uh, and people are uh, saying that they're denied the opportunity uh, to watch it uh, because of uh, their coverage areas or what have you uh, it's a shame, it's a shame, it's a big loss, um, I, I have to agree with you, it's a big loss for uh, New Zealand cricket but at the end of the day, we've talked about this before it's it's about the bank balance um, as much as anything else so it um, doesn't look like Zaid can hang on the phone very much at, at the moment uh, Jim, Jim from uh, Tamuka has come and said, well, Smithy, the test cricket went down to the last ball. Fantastic ending. Ronald McDonald and the Hamburglar stole it. And Sri Lanka went back to their hotel for an unhappy meal. Very good. Very good, Jim. It's the game we love. We all agree with that. Test cricket, the game we love. 41 here on SCNZ
1: agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This
2: is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
7: You got to know when to hold know when to fold
4: up,
8: know when to walk away, and know when to run.
4: Bet live on your favourite sports, download the TAB app today.
3: CAB uh, was uh, down doing some maintenance I think for a while this morning so it's taken me a while to come up with this one so I've gone a little bit dominant on basketball the Mavericks to beat the Grizzlies today at $1.97 I think they'll be a good game Golden State Warriors uh, to beat the Phoenix Suns at $1.52 and tomorrow morning uh, Manchester City I think they'll mop up uh, Leipzig uh, at $1.30 so combine that together the Mavericks, the Golden State Warriors into Manchester City three dollars eighty nine and of course yesterday um we took the black caps to win at a four dollars fifteen and uh, to okc to beat the spurs well they duly obliged they beat the spurs quite easily and i really had written off that part of it i'd written off the black caps i thought draw draw and they get up in the last the last stride to win so that if you back that there was only a two pronger that was six dollars 51 so well we got lucky we got lucky with the weather, and we got lucky because Kane Williamson was born a Kiwi. Uh, it's about as simple as that. Right, right, uh, where do you think, we've got text, uh, we've got a, a caller on the line, we've got text, uh, Richard from Omeroo. G'day, Richard, how are you?
9: Hey, Ian, how are you, Smith? Are you good?
3: Yeah, I'm very, very good, mate, pleased to talk to you.
9: Yeah, what an amazing win last night, eh? Like, who says test cricket is boring, like, but to go for five days, and then it just comes down to the last ball, I mean... What, what I really, um, like myself, working all day, because I just listened to it on the radio, but to come home at five o'clock and then just to watch it for like, I think when it won, it was about 7.30 at night. It was just like prime viewing. I know not everyone can watch it on Spark Sport, but I was just glued to the TV as soon as I came home from work, and um, my little daughter went to bed just in the last over, and um Second, that third to last ball when Williamson hit it for four, I was like screaming and yelling and almost woke up my daughter who was asleep. So, (laughs)
0: yeah, it
9: was just just an amazing watch, eh?
3: Well, Actually, there's a good ad on TV at the moment. I'm not a big watcher of ads, but there's a good one where uh, I think the um, noise abatement officer knocks on the door and is about to tell people to shut up. They're making too much noise. And I think they turn around and say, well, the Black Caps have just won. And he says, you're joking, and joins the party. And I think that, well, in a weird sort of a way, that the Black Caps have that kind of feeling on people. You know, we expect all Blacks to win time after time. But Richard, when you get a win like that, and you get it twice, twice in 10 days, for goodness sake.
9: Yeah. It's just unbelievable. I mean, how can we have those types of wins in a very short space of time because you just don't hear about it it seems to be, you know, if you look at these last two tests, I mean, oh, the last one I can remember is the Ashes test back in H-Baston when Australia won that test and it was
3: by, by two runs mm. Yeah, that was Stokes, wasn't it? Yeah. Stokes and Jack Leach That was a hell of a test yeah. match uh, Hey Richard, yeah. um, what do you, what do you, where do you rate Williamson now in terms of uh, New Zealand cricketers?
9: Oh, I, I really do rate him up there, there, Smithy. I mean, I mean, if we do look at previous players like Martin Crowe, I mean, he wasn't really around in, when I was watching cricket, but, you know, he was not really in part of my era. But I think when you look at um, Kane Williamson, I think in this kind of context in the last, you know, how, in this era that he's just a phenomenal player. Um, you know, he's just, he's just amazing. And I hope we continue to see him going from strength to strength. I mean, he's the one who... He's, he's apparently the. I think he's got the most hundreds in New Zealand cricket right now, because he's each brought up absolutely
3: 20, 24th, was it, or 23rd last night? 27th, I think. 27th, and it wasn't oh. that long ago. Him and him and Ross Taylor were f- scrapping it out, really, to see who'd have the most, and uh, he's uh, accumulated a lot um, in the last uh, 12 months or so, Kane Williamson, and that was at a time when we wondered with that elbow, etc., how long his career would go and what his desire was to carry on. He's a family man now and whether he had other motivations in his life but uh, we have seen um, in the last uh, couple of test matches that he's far from finished. year 27 um, if he gets to 30 that uh, really puts him in the top bracket around the world if he's not there already. So um, what would you do? Here's another question for you Richard uh, you obviously look at the side quite carefully I've won two out of two are uh, you happy with the personnel on the side?
9: Happy with uh, the personnel, did you say?
3: Yeah, the pe- personnel. In other words, would you make changes now? Um, having uh, one, two I in think, a row, would you make any changes?
9: I think what's really concerning me at the moment, Smithy, is our number four. I mean, when I know you've spoken about it on your show before that the average for a number four is, is certainly well below par when it comes to Henry Nichols. I mean, he's certainly, he's certainly out of form, and I think that's really quite worrying for the likes of me that You know, we do have other players that are are waiting in the wings. I mean, you go look at Glenn Phillips. He scored 100 for Otago just recently. And I know when it comes to Will Young, I mean, he's gone back into domestic Cricket to play at Brang this week, and hopefully he'll score runs. But I think it's our um, our main concern. I mean, I wouldn't change our top order. I think Conway and Latham are doing well at the top. I mean, even I don't know why Conway was pushed to four. I mean, he got 200 on debut opening the batting, and then I would... When it comes to Williamson, he doesn't move. He's our rocket number three. But when it comes to our number four, that's where my main concern is because, you know, when it comes to Henry Nichols, as he's that's the thing. uh, As soon as he's gone up to number four, he hasn't really kind of shined in that position, and his form's kind of kind of waning this Smithy. So I think Mm. when it comes into the next test, are we going to keep Nichols there when he's out of form, or are we going to go for someone like um, a Will Young and put him at four? What do you reckon?
3: I think we'll go for. I think we'll go for young. I, I hope the reason they've sent him back to play domestic cricket is to uh, get some valuable match practice in prior to this next Test match. I, I hope uh, Henry Nichols again failed yesterday. You can't call 20 a success. I, I'm sorry, and he's just out of form. It's, I'm not saying his career's over. I'm just saying at the moment he's not the right fit for that position on the side. Um, and uh, Richard, hey, really cool to chat to you, uh, Richard. And please don't be a stranger. Call up uh, any time you like uh, on any subject you want. And uh, have a terrific day. I I loved your your viewpoints there. Uh, Henry Nichols for me, uh, he's just not, at the moment, um, playing well enough to justify his place in the team. Yes, I know he's got a good record. Yes, I know he's done it for us in the past. But it's been so long. It's been so long. He needs needs some batting at domestic level on a regular basis. It is 9.53. We'll be back shortly.
1: Are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Yeah, well, coming up in the next hour we're going to do some uh, serious uh, looking at uh, supercars. Aaron Noonan's going to be with us. Uh, Aaron's uh, part of uh, SEN and SENZ Live commentary throughout the supercar season. Uh, there's uh, just a little bit of drama involving SVG over the weekend, so we'll talk to Aaron about that. Uh, just uh, confirming, uh, also we have uh, an early multi. It's 10:32 multi, and uh, it's not multi. In fact, it's a stump smithy. We've had the multi, a stump smithy at 10:32. Uh, uh, we continue. Want your texts about the cricket? Double eight double three, double eight double three on the temper bedpost post uh, text line. Uh, and after 11 o'clock we've got to talk to Bruce Young a golf journalist of course a very respected man himself uh, and about Scott Scheffler and uh, this fantastic 13 to 14 months that this guy's put together and of course there's a live golf tournament coming up um, in Adelaide not too far away and the Masters will have up to 17 live golfers 17 live golfers have been given uh, the royal invite to play at the Masters what will the atmosphere be like there? Interesting. Bruce Young, after 11 o'clock, but it's 10 o'clock now with Arara and the news.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to
2: behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. He's
10: on his way home, down the hill, near Nobby's Beach for the final time. The crowd giving him a warm celebration, a warm welcome as he's on his way to the chequered flag. Yesterday, he won. He had it taken away from him for a technical infringement. This one, no problems with pit stops and dry ice and where the cool box was. He's been cool, Carmen racy. Shane Van Gisbergen wins race two on the streets of Newcastle. The margin back to
3: Chaz Mostert. At the end is four and a half seconds. Mostert's on the podium. He's the championship leader Well, the supercars are back for the 2023 season, so is SVG on the evidence of that. But this time, it's a new generation of cars on the grid. Gone are the days of the Ford Falcon versus the Holden Commodore. Now it's the Ford Mustang up against the Chevy Camaro. It all kicked off an incredible amount of drama at the Newcastle Street Circuit involving great New Zealander, yep, Shane Van Gisbergen. SEN and SEN has live commentary throughout the supercar season. And with us now is our commentator, Aaron Noonan. Aaron, good morning to you. Thank you for your time.
10: Pleasure, Smithy. How are you, mate?
3: I'm really good, thanks, mate. Hey, listen, uh, before we get to uh, the drama, what about the crowd? 167,000 in the crowd. How did you rate that as a season opener in the 20 years you've had covering Australian motorsport?
10: Oh, it's right up there, Smithy, absolutely. It it was a great crowd, great weather, great way to start a new season. First time we have ever done it, though. In Newcastle, For many years, we we were in Adelaide for the first round of the season, but that's now the last round of the Supercars Championship. And Newcastle, when it was on the calendar, was the last round. So they've swapped spots. It felt a little strange being uh, there this time of year. But um, three years away, we haven't had that event for three years because of COVID. So the fans voted with their feet. And I think there was probably a, a little bit of a question mark with, as you mentioned before, that we've no more holded. it has gone that era is is over and there was probably probably a few question marks whether fans would stick with the sport to the degree that they have in the past without that uh, traditional rivalry but i think they voted with their feet we saw on the weekend that they're they're as into supercars as they've ever been the motor racing faithful and they got one heck of a fight on the track for two days of racing on the weekend and of course plenty of controversy swirling around the place uh, before and after it all as well which keeps it all buzzing along
3: Yeah, interesting actually, we'll talk about that uh, if you like, a protest was lodged against Triple Eight Racing following that first race uh, with uh, Van Gisbergen and Brock Feeney finishing first and second, they were found to have their cooling systems packed with dry ice and to the right of the driver not on the passenger side as per the rules Does that just come down to safety or is the, does it give them any great advantage?
10: Well, it depends on which side of the fence you're on here on this one, but they they thought they had the okay from it. Um, they had uh, uh, discussed it with Supercars and their head of motorsport, who's Adrian Burgess, who's a, a long-time part of the, the Supercars pit lane, and I think they took a discussion as being an approval, and I think that's seen the other way from, from Adrian and Supercars' side of the fence. So, uh, it's a technical rule. So, um, it, it's kind of it's not a little bit in or a little bit out. If you've broken the rule, you've broken the rule, and the, the rules are that it must be in that other in the passenger uh, part of the car. And the only course for the, the stewards in that matter was to exclude he uh, being Shane and Brock Feeney, his young Aussie teammate, from first and second in the race. Now the Triple Eight team have appealed that, so uh, the, the story is not finished there yet. Whether they get their points. And their results back remains to be seen, but they are certainly going to fight to try to uh, reclaim those points because it's not just for the drivers, it's for the teams as well. There's a separate teams championship, and as it sits right now, uh, they're the reigning champions of both, and they're ninth in the teams' points, and their drivers, um, Shane Van Gisbergen now currently is 11th, and Brock Feeney is 18th in the drivers' points. But should they win that appeal, that will obviously turn around and, and Shane will reclaim the championship lead.
3: It's enough being done to make sure races are competing safely? If Triple uh, Eight feel they had to resort to a measure like that,
10: well, well they've they've taken the decision to. Uh, they've usually been using a different cooling system um, that what teams have traditionally used to to cool the drivers' um, uh, suits, and uh, it's called a chill out um, system. So that was in the correct place. There's no problem there. Um, but they were using dry ice um, and it was being refilled and stored on the, the driver's side for the helmet cooling uh, to keep the driver's helmet cool. So um, certainly there's, obviously, it's an issue of safety. Keeping the, the driver's cool is, is very important because, you know, race cars are a hot uh, environment. They're, they're probably the hottest office any employee would, would ever find in sport. But uh, mm-hmm. in this case, the rules are the rules now whether the rules need to be maybe looked at in future to um, determine where um, some of these safety devices might be able to be. It's probably open for discussion too that is already ongoing, that they have discussed whether there's a a means in future to uh, have some air conditioning systems in these cars to try to assist with that driver cooling. But it was pretty warm on the weekend in Newcastle and it was really humid. It was about 80% humidity on all three days. So. It was tough environment for the for the drivers who've had... You know, they've had an off-season where they haven't really been racing. handful of them did some speedway. I know Shane did some, some speedway stuff in, in New Zealand, and uh, Cam Waters, the Ford driver who was given the, the victory on Saturday after crossing the line third, he's been doing dirt track sprint car racing uh, in the off-season. So, uh, but for, for all of them, by and large, apart from a couple of test days, they haven't raced since uh, the start of December in Adelaide. So... It's a bit of a brutal way to have your first day at the office of a new season, isn't it? Where they go and give you a, a thirty odd degree day uh, ambient temp, and, and the cars get up to forty, fifty degrees, and uh, they give you ninety five laps to go and race around a track with eighty percent humidity. It's uh, they don't they don't warm you up to this stuff. It's uh, it's straight into it for a new season.
3: Indeed, indeed. Look, and uh, in, and race two, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, was uh, part of a another um event uh, and it was called out as being a little bit cheeky there by Chaz Mostert. that was the the move to overtake on the final laps uh, were you happy with that level of contact
10: yeah i didn't really think there was too much in it smithy it was one of those things where shane had a a big advantage he had more grip than Chaz in those closing laps he was catching him and it, it was trying to set him up for a pass to come out of that uh, turn nine onto the back straight and um he was already pinched across to the right up against the concrete wall. Chaz just moved across a little bit to try to um, open up. And there was a little bit of a rub there. But uh, as Craig Baird, the, the Keeley uh, former long-time driver, he's the driving standards advisor. And um, he basically is hes kind of the guy who recommends the penalties if there's one that's required. In this case, it was a bit of both. I mean, Shane had his car in a place to try to uh, set himself up for the run off the corner. Chaz just moved across a little bit. There was a little bit of a bump. But it wasn't a case of uh, I don't feel shame, you know, drilling in the back of Chaz and pushing him wide to open up the corner to to go on by, uh, and that's how Craig has has looked at it too. Hence, it was deemed play on a racing incident, and, um, and I think to Chaz, um, to his credit, in the aftermath, once he'd seen the vision, he didn't quite realise that there was an overlap where his car and Shane's car were were not exactly uh, fully separated, and as he moved across, he. You know, the rear of his car went across the front and bumped the front of Shane. So I think even he said, sort of, okay, well, I get it, I see it, I've seen the vision, and and know how it was. So I think that was probably the least controversial element to the whole weekend for Shane. Um, And there's been, and he actually posted on social media overnight to explain himself a little bit more in the wake of his um, actions post race on Sunday, where he he basically refused to speak at the. The press conference and in the aftermath of the the tv interviews after the race because uh he um has made some comments earlier in the weekend about the the new cars the gen three cars and um
0: mm.
10: he's not a big fan of them and, and he's bitten his tongue i think during the off season he hasn't made much public comment at all but he made some comments on friday about the heat in the cars and on saturday about their uh, <clears throat> excuse me raceability as well um and he's saying that the supercars head management weren't too Thrilled with um, those comments, so he was taking the stance of, well, if I don't say anything, I can't get in trouble about anything. So I think he went a bit too far though with uh, the stance because he, he refused to answer questions about things that weren't related to that topic, which has sort of set off a, a little bit of a firestorm in the aftermath. But I guess the one thing it shows me is that people are in the supercars because they're caring about it, they're talking about it, they're engaging with it, and uh, we're often running for a new season. So a bit of controversy—that's just kind of how it all rolls.
3: Uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and there's probably no such thing when it comes to that kind of thing as a bad headline. And uh, uh, if it's in the headlines, it's in the news and people are taking interest, which uh, they will have certainly been doing with the new cars. What was your impression? Was, was uh, his, Were his views a consensus amongst the drivers? What what were you making of the actual performance levels of the new cars?
10: Well, completely different to, to everything that we've had previously in supercars. So the the, the chassis are different, the engines are different, the wheels are different. All of the, the, all of the parts except the gearbox from the old car are, are brand new. And I think there was probably a lot of people who thought that there'd be lots of cars retiring because parts would break, engines would have dramas, wheels would fall off. There's been a range of different teasing issues in the lead-up. But when you look at the two races, I think there was one retirement on Saturday. That was Chas Mossett's teammate, Nick Perkat That was because of a brake issue. And then on Sunday, it was... Um, uh, accidents because James Courtney crashed his car in the shootout and Declan Fraser, his Stickford teammate, the young Australian driver, uh, crashed only a matter of metres off the start line when he bumped with Macaulay Jones and ended up in the concrete wall. So so there were reasons for cars not finishing that weren't because of these new cars having failures. So, uh, and, and they were close. I mean, the, the top 10 shootout the other day, um, I think it was the Sunday top 10 shootout, uh, Saturday I should say, Brody Kostecki had pole by 0.15 of a second, which is not very big. But then it was 0.15 covering the rest of the cars behind it, which uh, was quite amazing. So, And I think everybody in the lead-up was going to wonder, is there fair... It's called parity. Is it fair between the Chevrolet Camaro and the Ford Mustang? And that was the word leading into the weekend. That was the big word. And then no-one remembered the word for the whole weekend after that because everyone got into the racing. and There was the, the controversy with the Red Bull cars on Saturday and then Shane stuffed in the aftermath of Sunday. So... Uh, so far, so good. I mean, we saw a Ford win one race, a Chev win the other race. A Ford driver leads the championship at the moment in Chasmoston. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Gisberg may lead it again should he um, get his points back from the Saturday if he appeal is successful. But uh, by and large, I don't think there was anyone really um, jumping up and down about it not being fair between the two brands of car. Although we've only had one round and it's, uh, we need a little bit more... Um, uh, a few more races, a few more rounds and a few different types of tracks to get a, a clearer picture but so far so good. I think it was a really good rollout for the, the new era of cars uh, for Gen 3 and um, and they're just very different so the drivers and teams are going to have to adapt to them and, and they'll do that in, in due course and time and, and they'll find all of the, the tweaks that are needed to, to make them go faster and perform better.
3: Uh, interesting that uh, first time since uh, Homebush in uh, 2016 that uh, Dick Johnson Racing didn't finish inside the top ten over the weekend, uh, so obviously, as you point out, it's going to take some adjustment, even for the, the likes of the experienced drivers like uh, De Pasquale and, and Will Davidson, struggling for the speed in their Mustangs.
0: Yeah,
10: they were nowhere. They, they still, I, it was unbelievable that they uh, they just did not threaten the top ten at all, and we saw the unbelievable scenario Sunday, Smithy, where um, they were getting lapped by Shane Van Gisbergen and, and and the Shell Power team, Dick Johnson Racing, the famous team from Queensland, um, yeah, it's they've gone from being the the champions with Scotty McLaughlin with Roger Penske, the American powerhouse of racing. Um, Penske moved on, took McLaughlin with him to go to IndyCars in America, and he's been going so well there. And really, it's um, it's been a downward slide ever since. And it's, it's actually new management. It's a new era there. Uh, there's a new uh, majority owner there in Brett Ralph, who's a, a Melbourne businessman uh, here in Australia who owns a range of other sporting teams in other leagues, rugby league and, and netball and so on. Um, and he's employed a new CEO in David Noble, who was a coach in the Australian Football League in the Aussie Rules over here, um, only as a matter of last year but until he, he lost his, his gig with the Kangaroo team, so um, North Melbourne. So really different era there and they've not started the best way possible, in fact they were the, the, of the five different teams that raced forwards, they were fifth so they have really got to claw cool their way out they've got a, a bit of an issue on their hands and um, they've got to turn it around really fast
3: this, uh, Last season of course it was like nobody could stop uh, Van uh, Disqualification, uh, apart from the odd disqualification uh, do you feel as if it's going to be a, a lot more even this year with these new cars?
10: Well, that was the theory, wasn't it? That, that resetting it all with new cars would, um, would help things. But the other thing not to forget here is that his 888 team with the homologation team for Chevrolet. They are the ones who basically designed the new Gen 3 platform um, and done, obviously, all the testing of the Camaro as well. So, yes, that information is shared by Supercars with, with all the other teams, but this is a team that has, you know, the amount of um, trophies in their cabinet at their workshop in Brisbane so these new cabinets need to be built uh, quite regularly because they're, they're unbelievably strong. Um, they've got uh, SVG, who is at the top of his game. Uh, but they're beatable. Um, on their day, they're beatable. They, they make mistakes like anybody else. Um, so I think you, you probably need to look at can um, Brock Feeney, Shane's teammate, step it up and, and get a bit closer? Chas Mostert's clearly a factor. Cam Waters is a factor for Ford. Um, so they are the raging favourites, and they showed the speed on. I mean, Shane won the race on Saturday by 14 seconds and he won on Sunday by just under five, although it was six laps shorter than originally scheduled because of the the time that was lost with the repairs to the barrier uh, after the crash at the start line. So he could have won by potentially uh, a little bit more. So um, we've changed the rules, we've changed the game, we've changed the cars, but we've kind of got the the same result in terms of of Shane and Triple H strength. But uh, that's probably to have been expected because they're at the top of their game, but by no means will... They win every race. Um, you simply can't stay up uh, on the wave all the way through a 28-race, 12-round season. So, um, And I think a lot of teams have taken a little bit of heart away from the weekend in terms of the way that their, their speed was, how they rolled their new cars out, their reliability. So uh, it, it's on for young and old when we get to Melbourne for the Grand Prix uh, at Albert Park in a couple of weeks' time. No doubt.
3: Well, we look forward to that. We look forward to your call as well, uh, Aaron. Uh, yeah, Melbourne... Uh, as uh, in a fortnight's time, so we look forward to uh, <clears throat> to just see how they've progressed as well uh, in their new machines. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. Very enlightening, um, and all the best.
10: Pleasure, you. Chat soon.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to it. Uh, Aaron Noonan out of Australia there uh, with uh, the latest on the supercars after Newcastle, the first uh, event of the season at Newcastle rather than Adelaide. Uh, it is coming up to uh, 10.19 here on SENZ.
1: Are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field, summer or winter? He's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Right, uh, we can't stop uh, talking about this great win from the Fijian drawer over uh, the Crusaders, or people in Christchurch should probably stop that, but we haven't because it was just uh, the turn up of the weekend and what a great result overall for rugby in the islands. Uh, they talked a bit about it too in the rugby run. This is just a Marshall and Ricardo Ball. In fact, they were lucky enough to get hold of Jacko Glenn Jackson, the Fijian Drua assistant coach. They got him on their show.
11: Look, uh, no, the boys were good, mate. It's, um, I think uh, one of the biggest words during the week was the belief that they can do it. Um, I, last year we lost by 60 and I think half the boys were so excited to meet their heroes really of the Crusaders team. So it was, uh, first of all, just getting their mindset that they can actually give it a go and, and give them a good run. And then um, hopefully, you know, with the heat and the, the Laotoka crowd, we could we could come um, in the last 20 minutes and, and get a victory. So sort of what happened, so it was a pretty awesome experience
12: for the boys. Glenn, watching that game, you know, especially the way it started and the Crusaders got a couple of tries from rolling walls. I looked at their tight five on paper and I thought, oh, well, here we go again. That's what they're going to do. Um, what was the thought in the commentary box when I went to, uh, in the commentary, in the coaching box when I went to 12-0?
11: Exactly what you said. I think uh, obviously their type five, and especially their locks, are you know the best in the world. And uh, Scooter's hundredth game, obviously they had plenty to play for, so it was awesome for him to have a hundredth game. But uh, yeah, no, it was a bit like that. It was like we knew if we our discipline was poor, that's exactly what they do: that side down, kick to the corner, and, and that you know they're, they're not six-time champions for for that exact reason. So it was again good credit to to the boys and especially our forward pack to try and um, you know stop stop the leakage that they were letting happen, and then. Um, obviously, a couple of runaway tries that the, the boys are sort of famous for, the sort of opened the game up. So it was, uh, it was, it was good. You know, going at 12-12-5 uh, at halftime was was good that we we had a chance to to get the victory in the second half, and that's what happened. So it was great,
4: Jacko. When you saw the side that, that Scott Robertson named, um, how how did that make you feel? Did it fool you with a little bit more sort of, I guess, encouragement, or did you just feel it's just typical Crusaders? I've got the depth. Yes, there's no. Moanga, um, there's no Ethan Blackadder, whatever it might be. Or did you kind of think, you know what, I, th- this helps us. Do you think that they underestimated how tough you were going to be?
11: Uh, mate, I don't think they underestimated it. I mean, they, like you said, they're, they're six-time champions, and so they've got a squad that can, can win whenever they want. I, I think the two names that you probably mentioned the most is the two that we sort of most thankful weren't playing. It was good. Richie was actually there on holiday, so we, I thanked him after the game for not uh, donging on the <laughs> red and black. But... Uh, um, yeah, they were. They are obviously the two form players for them, and especially Richie. Obviously, every time he plays the Crusaders, the finger win rates over ninety percent. So, um, oh, was Fergus Burke, 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 we knew is a, is a fantastic red player, and had a great minor 10 Cup, but uh, it certainly gave the boys a little bit of hope. And again, I, I'll probably put it down to just the belief that okay, well, we know why they won is because of, of Richie a lot of the time. So, just the belief that well, we're a chance uh, against against the, this Crusader team is, um, was was something that helped us a lot.
12: Now you've got uh, a week to prepare to take the boys uh, to Queensland to take on uh, the Reds. What's the plan this week? And I, I guess maybe motivationally, how do you how do you get them up again and 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 not too carried away with this if you like?
11: One of the greatest things of coaching a Fiji team and the Fijian culture is uh, sometimes you never know if they won or lost in the change sheet. It's a pretty similar sort of uh, outlook on life. Um, so. Yeah, uh, they they bounce back super well from from a loss and from a win. So it's really good. We've got a Sunday game, so it gives us an extra day of uh, training. And uh, the boys are actually on the road for the for a week, as we're staying over in Brisbane and then heading to the Highlanders. So it's a good time to probably to take the boys into camp and um, just you know we we knew we had a really hard start in the draw, and if we could pick up one one win, we're sort of moving well. But to pick up two is a, is a good way to to head into onto the road and, and and just get the boys into a hotel and
12: eat some good food. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And obviously, you're two from three now. I was going to ask you that too. Preseason, what was the goal? What was the, you know, talking amongst the uh, leadership group, the coaching group, what was the goal setting like for this season for you guys? It sounds like you're well ahead of the curve.
11: Yeah, we are. I think uh, if you look at the draw, we've got a pretty good draw at the back end. Uh, we've got sort of uh, four home games in our last six. So it was sort of Try and try and stay there or thereabouts uh, for the beginning of the season and, and, and sort of come home strongly. So, as you said, to to get where we are now, it's sort of um, a little bit above where we hoped we were, but we had a pretty good preseason. And, and as Marshy and anyone knows that you know winning becomes a bit of a bit of a habit, really. So we won our two preseason games well, and then and then now two that. So the boys actually getting a real bit bit of belief around. Uh, winning is is the culture Well last year we probably had a losing culture So it's, it's nice to change around Just final question Jacko Because I know uh, at seven's heaven That the beer
4: is really cold and you're a thirsty man So you'll be looking forward to getting your lips around <laughs> One of those to celebrate um, But mate you've got to tell me What were you thinking when old mate Valentini stepped, stepped up To kick that winning penalty he hadn't, he hadn't kicked the
11: goal at all And were you thinking Oh my goodness this could go anywhere uh, it was good for the guy to come on debut. We actually subbed him off the goal kicker. So uh, poor old Teddy didn't have a great day at the boot. So it was sort of put put all mate on four minutes to go just in case. It was a late decision to see how it went. And I was actually with the two front row boys, the two props, which I'm not often with those fellas. But I just wanted to, I said, mate, don't, don't worry if this misses or loses. That last scrum was world-class from you boys. So congratulations. And, and the both of them were down on their haunches. And when he kicked it over, they uh, both jumped on me and I Never want to be near Pop again So it was a, a pretty disappointing way To finish
12: the game <laughs> Oh mate, it sounds like you were the one on the physio table At the end of the game, were you? Yeah, mate, it was, uh, it's amazing, as you know, when you win or lose, the the the, it's, uh, the body feels a lot better, so most of the boys came in pretty happy, so it was bloody awesome. Oh, mate, fantastic. Hey, listen, Jacko, thanks very much for giving us some time the day after such a big win. We'll let you go and enjoy the team uh, and enjoy yourself, mate. Congratulations again and look forward to seeing you um, over over this part of the world uh, and, and out in action there, uh, doing it all over again. Good luck for the rest of the season, eh? Cheers,
11: yeah, Jacko. Thanks again, I just want to say, uh, to Scott Barrett, mate, awesome 100 games, so.
12: Thanks for coming out. lady. Really awesome. Yeah, awesome. All right. Uh,
3: I think uh, I often use word, but it was awesome. It was awesome. The Druid beating uh, the Crusaders and uh, Jacko. Um, reflecting on it there before he uh, headed out into the night. And uh, yeah, Justin Marshall was uh, right. He is a bit of a thirsty man. I've been on the uh, receiving end of that a couple of times. It is uh, 10.31 here on SENZ. Before we go to the news, it's time to tell you to call us here on 0800 811 We're going an hour early. An hour early with Stump Smithy today 0800 150 811 50 bucks up for grabs uh, because Muggins Me lost yesterday so uh, we're back to 50 bucks Uh, Logan is going to be the quiz master Brian is uh, waiting for your calls folks and uh, in the news chair as always is the lovely Aroha uh, with her 10.30ish update Ian Smith's had a good match
6: here. Stumped by Smithy Ian Smith really is top class at his job
13: it's a new day, it's a new $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here on Stunt with SNZ Mornings and Ian Smith, Smithy great to hear you signing back on and sticking with the team. Yeah I look forward
3: to it actually um, you know uh, this day and age um, you know so much sport on and uh, of course when we started the slogan um, it was well, nearly two years ago I think July 19th is our anniversary so it's coming around pretty quickly um, and uh, you know it's been fun absolutely revealing uh, to talk to people that it's been education as well I think that you, you should never uh, underestimate what you can learn even at this ripe old age um, thinking you know quite a lot about sport I know nothing when you talk to some of the people that we have uh, are great people around this country around the world in fact so um, that's the joy of it To be perfectly honest, that's the joy of it, is uh, finding out new things like reading a book a day. Um, Getting beaten. uh, I don't want to look forward to another three years of getting nailed at this, though. I can promise (laughs) you that. It's a bit soul-destroying. So let's uh, start the new era. The new era on a positive note. Who have we got lined up today? Logan?
13: All right, we'll see how you go, mate. First of the crease, we're going to the Cup of the Ghost, and it's Pac-Man. Come in, mate.
5: Oh, mate, you're shooing for this going to $100 tomorrow, I'll give you the tip.
13: Well,
3: yeah. Uh, well, it is. If you stay on question three, usually you bow out in question one. We need, you know, if you bow out in question one, uh, we have to have someone lose question three for it to go to a hundred bucks. So, do us a favor and hang around, will you?
0: That'd be nice. I'll do. I'll do my very
13: best, mate. All okay, right, before, we, good. before I give you the questions, Pac-Man, this is how the game works for those listening at home that haven't played before. We always love new players as well. We have three categories to choose from today. If you get a question wrong, then it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock the listeners' bails off. Get out within the first two questions and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on that final question and we will jackpot to $100 tomorrow. Now, your topics to choose from today, Pac-Man, are soccer, football, basketball, And Cricket, take your pick.
10: Oh, (laughs) Oh, I'll go with Cricket. Give somebody a real good chance here.
13: Oh, right, brave man, good luck. First question for you. The Black Caps scored another final ball test victory, this time over Sri Lanka, with Kane steady the ship, Williamson winding the clock back in the second innings, finishing on 121, not out. Who bowled the final over in that match?
8: (laughs) I'll go basketball.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, mate, that's uh, that's not an answer. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket
2: field.
8: That is
3: so Pac-Man, that is so Pac-Man, that answer, I can tell you uh, absolutely now. I don't know if I was, I was was sort of listening to it, I I should know this, and uh, the bowling attack for Sri Lanka, Uh, I'll I'll go for uh, the guy that got, uh, I think, the most wickets in the match, Fernando, Fernando, how does that go? That's a couple of chips down the wickets
13: right in the slot and the it goes yeah do you hear the sound fernando that's the correct answer smithy so pacman back to the pavilion for you for our <laughs> second caller we're going to cambridge kevin come in mate
0: how you going guys
3: really good uh, kevin uh that pacman's pretty average i've got to say i think he's had three goes four goes has he got past question one once I do not know Um, I know he's a bit of a um, a legend around the Kapiti Coast area but I I hope our listening audience down there gives it to him every time he tries and (laughs) fails because he gives it to
13: everyone else I can promise you Rightio, let's move on Question 2 Yeah, maybe next time pick basketball uh, Pac-Man but definitely try again All right, second question for you Kevin The $50 TAB bonus bet is up for grabs here Who was named player of the match in that Hagley Oval Test?
10: Mr. Mitchell, I believe.
13: Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, one Daryl Mitchell, who scored 102 in the first innings, 81 in the second. Handy man to have in the side, Smithy.
3: Well, look, he's becoming one of uh, the spine, really. Uh, Williamson certainly is uh, in the middle of the spine, but uh, we've, now you've got Mitchell, uh, and now you've got, uh, of course, Tom Blundell, uh, we look pretty good. We just need to find a number four. We just simply need to find a number four. Kevin, question three. <laughs> no, not really. But who would you put at three? Who would you put at four, Kevin? Oh,
0: Can you pull the page back on, mate?
3: <laughs> yeah, I could have a go. I could have a go. Certainly wouldn't get it right. I wouldn't get it past me at the moment, I'll tell you that. Uh, I get it quite often. Uh, right, right now,
13: Let's, let's get serious let's get to the question <laughs> alright last question for you the $50 TAB bonus on the line here the Black Apps, the Black Caps win ended Sri Lanka's chance at qualifying for the World Test Championship Final what two nations will now play for the Mace
0: uh, India, Australia
2: I think That's a couple of chips down make wicket right in the slot and away it goes
13: Yep, very soon, Smithy, we're going to have to say goodbye to the Mace.
3: We will, absolutely. It's had its, uh, a nice little 12-month uh, spell here, but uh, yes, we do have to say goodbye to it. And I'd, I'll be honest with you, uh, regardless of uh, England's great run of late, I think they're the two best cricket teams in the world at the moment, test cricket teams in the world. And I think on a neutral ground, it'll be a hell of an encounter. And the oval pitch will be very sporting and it'll bring every aspect of the game into it. It's the beauty of playing uh, in England, I reckon. Uh, Kevin, congratulations. Uh, you won the 50 for Tuesday. Well done, man.
9: No, well, thank you very much, guys. Uh, it's
0: a pleasure. The old uh, bank, TAB account's looking pretty bare at the moment, so that'll certainly help.
3: <laughs> Could not be as bare as mine, mate. You have a terrific day. Have a, a wonderful day, and um, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks. Uh, Kevin, uh, of course, from Cambridge, and uh, he's our winner today I reckon Pac-Man would have got questions two and three. I really, I think he would have fluked questions two and three. Pac-Man, major disappointment, a major disappointment. It's 10.40 here on SCNZ.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: Well, it's 10.45 here on SENZ and uh, a number of texts have uh, come in this morning on various subjects, of course. Uh, Brad's come in with uh, one I've um, just uh, run my eyes over, which is interesting. Uh, 2025 Lions Tour to Australia uh, has been announced. I didn't realise that. Uh, They'll play the Waratahs, the Reds, the Brumbies, so uh, the three, I suppose you'd say, most powerful of the franchises in Australia. They'll also play a Pacific Island 15 and ANSAC 15. Two really interesting concepts there. And, of course, then the three tests against the Wallabies. So uh, 2025 Lions to Australia looks uh, a really entertaining, interesting tour, that one uh, two years away. Uh, Smithy, I, I take it the final for the World Test Championship is just before the Ashes. Yes, it is, Carl. Uh, do you think playing a test before the Ashes will help or, or hinder Australia? The Ashes are a long series on its own. Yes, effectively, it turns it out to be a, uh, a six-test uh, visit to to England on that regard so I get your point of view on wear and tear uh, they'll cater for that Australia they've got uh, your, your most dangerous or critical area is your quick bowling area when it comes to injury uh, they will um, have uh, I would imagine they'll have their, their big boys back for that uh, Cummins um, uh, will be back after the passing of his mother of course uh, Josh Hazelwood will be back uh, and it's been a while since he's had a consistent run of And Mitch Stark of course then you've got uh, Cameron Green I think as the, uh, the big unknown factor in all this um, this will be his first away series his first Ashes series as such um, and with him in that role at number six uh, we're able to bowl with a relatively new ball I think uh, that gives Australia quite an advantage as I think it will too over India at uh, the Oval so uh, yeah uh, it does run the risk of it but uh, in effect they're going to play two tests that summer at the Oval, the World Test Championship and then of course England uh, but they'll also uh, have the resources um, and uh, Australia grew uh grew i think and, and became a better unit as that tour to india didn't win the border gavaska but i think the cricket got better as the tour went on um smithy could come go to four and we find another opener yeah we could um we could uh, find another opener just it's not one staring me in the face at the moment uh jet raval kept going uh, scoring runs uh, uh, it's an outside possibility for me Gittreval, of course. Uh, has had a taste of test cricket, got a 100, wasn't that successful, particularly against Australia and Australia, which was his last series. Uh, but I thought, um, uh, Jeet Ravel, um, quite often when you come back again and have a second crack at it, uh, you, you're a better uh, player for it. So I wouldn't discount that, he's got the leadership role. Uh, so he, he's a name I, I would be thinking of. But also, um, Conway, the two lefties at the top, has worked kind of well wasn't that long ago, that opening stand at the Basin Reserve in the second innings uh, set up that test match for New Zealand to come back. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, it's a possibility, but I think they still really need to persevere with Conway at the top uh, and find that number four. So that's uh, of interest there. Uh, Smithy, great to hear you staying. here yeah, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just brilliant. Really hope they give Glenn Phillips a crack sooner rather than later. Uh, Ken, yep, yeah, Ken, I, I'm a Phillips fan like the way he plays the game Um, I just think he's just packed full of energy Uh, he's also uh, the kind of player that if he he gets in and gets going can get you back into the game or give you an advantage in a very short space of time and I think uh, Test cricket is in that vein at the moment Uh, you look at uh, Harry Brook for England the role that he's come in with uh, absolutely no baggage behind him just this freedom to play shots and how quickly He can give england a position of advantage so don't mind phillips certainly he's got to be he has to be on their list glenn phillips surely uh williamson's average is now higher than tendulka and lara more century than sobers is the best batsman ever from new zealand in the top five in the world today Stephen, uh yeah they are amazing numbers when you talk about it and you compare it to names like that tendulka and lara sachin tendulka brian lara I think uh, the two best players um, that I can recall uh, playing against um, in in my time, there have been some great batsmen over the years, but Tendulkar and Lara, right up there, you put Williamson ahead of them in terms of numbers. And people still say, particularly the older people, still say that Gary Sobers, Sir Garfield Sobers, is the greatest cricketer that ever graced the game um, because he could do everything and did it with aplomb. So uh, Gary Sober, so you put you put Williamson and that even that, that short sentence, uh, Stephen, uh, you are saying something really saying something. David's saying, Smithy, I'm getting a bit over people saying they can't they don't have an opportunity to watch the Black Caps play domestically. Most people, uh, keyword there, most David uh, have uh, the opportunity to download the Spark app and have purchased a, a subscription if they want to watch it. Yep, that is the case. Uh, I know a lot of people um, don't want Spark. Uh, or haven't wanted to get Spark because uh, they've got Sky and they don't see the reason to have two uh, subscriptions coming into their household accounts, there's that Um, of course Spark um, doesn't compete outside of uh, cricket uh, very well, in fact it won't compete from July onwards because the rights are going to TVNZ so everyone will be happy David, you would imagine everyone will be able to watch the cricket free of charge and there'll be no complaints at all um wouldn't that be nice? New Zealand Cricket will be looked forward to that, I'm sure. 10.51 here on SCNZ. Field,
2: summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
4: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz Racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
3: pretty quiet day on the racing front around here, just some greyhounds at Addington to talk of uh, in terms of the local market but uh, Louis there's a a big big two year old race coming up in Australia at the weekend, the time honoured golden slipper
0: Oh yes there is the slipper Uh, you know exactly why this is such a big deal, what do they say the Cox Plate, Melbourne Cup Caulfield Cup golden slipper the uh, holy trinity really isn't it it's it's the it's the four corners of australian racing that they all want to win and the golden slipper this year is shaping up to be an absolute ripper especially with the aspect of little bros per and canto bred two-year-old and it won the blue diamond now per and canto little avondale stud we know what rock and horse did and did again and We've we followed the little Avondale story um, at SCNZ closely, but the fact that this horse, Per Encanto, is siring two-year-old sprint winners like little bros is very, very exciting. Then so, you got the aspect that James McDonald has been cleared to ride on Golden Slipper day, so they reversed a uh, suspension that was initially given down. And Interestingly enough, there was no precedent for the decision, and they kind of took into account his good behaviour and, well, his clean record riding and and not endangering other jockeys. But the other jockeys in Sydney, they've all blown up. And you probably would, wouldn't you? If you have enough trouble riding, getting a winner when J-Mac's out there and he gets stood down to one of these big Group 1 days when there is prize money, I can understand why the other jockeys would be frustrated, especially when the, uh, well, when the the commission comes out and says there was no precedent to overturn it but we're going to do it anyway. I'm sure it raised a few eyebrows in the jockey's room but it's not James McDonald's fault he appealed because that's exactly what anyone else in their right mind would have done but that's a very interesting dynamic to follow this Saturday in Australia.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Louis, thanks for that. Golden slipper this weekend. Brennan Popper will have an eye on that but BP, what's in line in terms of sports betting for us today?
4: Hey, we've got some uh, NBA action that's uh, taken a fair bit of interest in a game between the Pacers and the Pistons is one that uh, punters are gravitating towards. Indiana Pacers, 74% of our head-to-head market is on the Pacers. They're 159 Pistons, $2.30. want to move to another game in the NBA that's also creating interest, and that is, of course, uh, around the Golden State Warriors. We've got Devin Booker, 30 points. And Curry to hit five threes. That's a boosted option at three seventy-five. Punters are really getting around that one. Uh, we've seen money for the Dallas Mavericks too, head-to-head at a dollar ninety-seven. And let's not forget because tomorrow night we've got the big one uh, in game number five for the New Zealand Breakers at uh, two seventy-five, where the Sydney Kings are a dollar forty-one. But we've got the Kiwi faithful behind the Breakers, who are sitting at two seventy-five. And this might be- punters out there, Smithy that are sitting on tickets of 50 or 60 to 1 on the Black Caps yesterday uh, at 1.30. Yesterday afternoon we had money on the Black Caps to win that test match at around $50.
2: 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi
1: for Sports brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic,
2: nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ And the Scheffler victory train just keeps on rolling. What a finish to save it.
3: And back on top of the world. Yeah, it keeps on rolling, all right. And it's rolling along with a lot of momentum. Uh, Scotty Scheffler uh, winning the Players' Championship, uh, the unofficial fifth major of the PGA uh, season. It's just a fantastic event uh, with great spectacles around the course. And uh, one man, I'm sure, who enjoyed it immensely and has been watching them for a long, long period of time is uh, Bruce Young, highly, highly respected uh, golf analyst, uh, commentator Bruce, uh, good morning to you, Scotty Scheffler, wow, what a 13 to 14 months this fellow's had
8: (laughs) Morning Smithy. yeah you're right, it's been a a domination of the game, I suppose John Rahman Rory McIlroy, the the number one position in the world of golf uh, has sort of uh, switched between the three of them over the last 12 months or so but Scheffler's been the dominant player and uh, not only did he win the Masters last year but he won. Uh, he's won this event, which is, as you said, the fifth major. It's probably I'm reluctant to call it that, but it's certainly a very amazingly strong event, a very lucrative event. Now that the PGA Tour have added added further to their prize money, four and a half million US dollars. I think he won. But um, and when you consider that he's got the uh, match play coming up, not this week, but next week, uh, a tournament where he'll be defending, and then uh, a week after that, or two weeks after that, the Masters, where. Again, he'll be defending. You've you got to think that the, um, it's not over yet for Scotty Scheffler. There's a lot more to come for him.
3: 26 years of age, Bruce, uh, he is. That's all, just 26 years of age. He seems to have a very balanced uh, life behind him. He seems to have a, a great backroom, as they say. And his demeanour on the course his uh, age.
8: That's exactly right. He really is cool, calm and collected, isn't he, the way he goes about his business. Nothing seems to faze him too much either way. He doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and I suppose that's one of the uh, uh, the great attributes of the great players in the game. They don't let things uh, unduly bother them either way. But he's, uh, as you said, just 26 years of age. It's amazing, really. Uh, he feels like he's been around for a while now, but he hasn't... I mean, he came through the Corn Fairy Tour where I think he was a winner, and he won a lot of junior amateur events. He was a very, very highly successful junior. But he had to pay his dues. He had to go through the Corn Ferry Tour before he got to finally got to the PGA Tour. But when the floodgates opened in Phoenix last year, just uh, as you said, over what 13 or 14 months ago, it's been non-stop for him. And uh, as I said, I think there's a hell of a lot more to come for him.
3: If you look at him, uh, Bruce, there's a lot uh, talked about swings, um, yeah, but... If you looked at his footwork as a golfing analyst, as such, you look at his feet, and, and uh, you know sometimes it's quite exaggerated movement. You would some people would sit back and say you cannot control a golf ball with a base like that, but he seems to immaculately.
8: Well, it's one of those things that another teacher or another coach might say. Let's uh, make let's work on altering that. But clearly, he works with somebody that's. With comfortable with the way he goes about his business and and the technique that he's got, and I agree with you, it looks a bit weird at times. He almost loo- looks like he loses loses grip of the ground. He sl- he slips a bit, but it, it it it. I mean, clearly it's working, and 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 he's not only is he obviously making a hell of a lot of putts, but they keep talking about him being one of the great ball strikers on the tour now. So uh, whilst the technique looks a bit strange and perhaps fallible, but it it it. I mean, the results tell a story that um, he just keeps producing great shot after great shot, great result after great result. And, uh, I mean, I can't see it stopping. We, we occasionally do see these stretches with golfers where they go through a period of time where they just virtually dominate the game and then they disappear for a while. And who knows, it may yet happen with him. Something may may alter in his technique, but it's a bit hard to see at the moment given not only um, the quality of his ball striking, but as we've discussed, the uh, the constitution of the guy and the manner of the guy on the golf course.
3: It doesn't appear that uh, crowds phase him either. And I was going to talk to you about uh, what is pleasing golf fans on course at the moment. When you look at the success of uh, the par three sixteenth at uh, at Phoenix, and then you look at the uh, the stadium design of the Sawgrass course, um, isn't it amazing the transformation of how we watch golf these years on these these days on course.
8: I think the Players' Championship for me, Smithy, has always been one of the most watchable tournaments in the game. Uh, that finishing stretch, the past five, 16th, had uh, amazingly dangerous, but uh, so exciting, past three, 17th, and even the 18th, um, perhaps to bland by comparison, but still an incredibly strong and difficult hole. Uh, I think those three holes, but uh, now that we've had the opportunity in more recent years to see a lot more of the golf course we realise what an amazing test it is. It was, it was built back in about 1980, I think. Pete Dye, or did, Pete Dye did design the golf course. And interestingly enough, mm-hmm. when it was first designed, I think a lot of people were probably looking at him and thinking, "What the hell have you done?" Um, because it was controversial at the time. It was really built as a stadium course, so the spectators could take full advantage of it. Um, but it, it really has um, uh, now become one of the most watchable golf tournaments and probably one of the most watchable tournaments from a spectator's point of view at the golf course as well. I think it's a fabulous tournament. I, I, as I said, aside from some of the majors, it's probably my most favorite golf course, golf tournament to watch. And it certainly was over the weekend. I mean, uh, you know, that seventeen hole is a bit like a box of chocolates. You just never quite, quite know what you're going to get by leaders or those further down the field. And we saw some huge numbers stacked up there. Uh, mm-hmm. But also um, some high quality shots. I mean, Minwoo Lee's birdie at the la- at the se- at the seventeenth on Sunday to get ke- to sort of keep him in contention for a top three or four finish. It wasn't to be because he bogeyed the last. But um, yeah, that that excitement, and I think we all, as you know, New Zealanders, look back at Craig Perks win there where he eagled the sixteenth, and then I think he chipped in from behind the green at the last to win that tournament. Um, just goes to show what a. And uh, what a sensational finishing stretch it
6: is.
3: Bruce, uh, the game has been um, stripped of uh, some quality. I think a lot of people would agree with that uh, by uh, certain high-profile players going to live. Talk about that in a minute. Uh, but what, is, uh, what has been the encouraging sign from my point of view and what's, I think, given back to the conventional side of things we'll say uh, is the rejuvenation of players like Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, who you kind of figure have got the appetite back.
8: Well, very much so, and especially Jason Day, who you know, 12 months ago was about 164th in the world, and now, with a series of good finishes this uh, over the last, oh, the last four or five months, perhaps we have really seen him come back inside the top. Uh, I think he's now inside the top. 40, he might be 37th or something. In fact, Ryan Fox is just ahead of him. In fact, Ryan Fox is the second highest ranked Australasian behind Cameron Smith, who of course is now a live golfer. But you, you mentioned Ricky Fowler, another one who's a tremendously popular player on the PGA Tour, with young fans especially. And uh, and Jordan Spieth, to to a lesser extent, uh, um, I guess the, the real highlights are Jason Day, because we know... Where he was four or five, five or six years ago, the world number one, the winner of a PGA Championship, and for him to get to outside the top 150 in the world 12 months ago and now be back inside the top 40 tells the story of a, a very determined young man and a guy I've got a lot of time for. I've got a tremendous amount of time for Jason Day and um, and Ricky Fowler. Yeah, two very popular players. Perhaps Ricky Fowler more popular in some respects, but I think it's encouraging, and I think also Smithy what we've seen is the emergence of a lot of good young players coming through and getting opportunities to perhaps showcase their game and and gain greater profile and I think the PGA Tour is in a pretty good space despite the fact that it's in in this ongoing constant battle with Liv.
3: Three weeks to the Masters um, and that is again a very recognisable golf course for most of us. Um, We feel like we know it, we've been watching it there for so long, they tinker with it every now and then but uh, it's only three weeks away um, and it's going to be a, a bit of a coming together of the two factions uh, really Bruce for the first time in a long time as reading as 17 invitations have been handed out to live golfers
8: yeah well I don't I wasn't aware that that was the actual number but um, yeah I mean Cameron Smith is obviously the the standout in that regard because he's gone so close at the masters in recent years he's been second and third there a couple of t- a couple of times in recent years, and it will be very interesting because to some extent, uh, players like DeChambeau and Brooks Koepka and Dustin Johnson, they've almost lost profile, haven't they? They've disappeared from the scene to a very large extent. Cameron Smith remains the world number five despite the fact that he hasn't played on the PGA Tour for probably eight, eight, eight or nine months, seven or eight months now, but he's still retained that number five ranking, and his record at Augusta National um, suggests that uh, he could do well again this year. But the problem for him is that he really hasn't been playing competitive golf, as has been the case in the past. So it'll be interesting to see whether that has an impact on his preparation and how he goes about things this year. But, uh, yeah, bringing together now that all the four majors have agreed uh, that uh, all live golfers are eligible to play in them will be really uh, very interesting coming together of the two parties, you might say.
3: Ryan Fox, what have you made of uh, Ryan Fox first, the decent foray into the United States?
8: I think it's been brilliant. I think it's 14th place at the Arnold Palmer Championship and then a, a top 30 last week. I think it was 27th or thereabouts at the Players' Championship on debut there at at uh, the TPC Sawgrass, where it's such a learning thing. And your first time there, it's a bit like uh, the, the Masters, which will be the case for him in a couple of weeks. Um, there's so much to learn. And I, I really think he's handled himself well. He he made the decision not to play the New Zealand Open. And understandably, and I think the tournament organisers were more than happy that, with that decision from from Ryan's point of view because you get an opportunity to play the Arnold Palmer Championship and the Players' Championship, you're not going to turn them down. Uh, and he'll, he'll be much the better golfer for it. And um, I think it's a very impressive... I know he's played the, on the on the US PGA Tour previously in selected events but I think it's been an impressive start to his US PGA Tour campaign and um let's hope it rolls on into the Masters and he has a good week there and continues on and m- maybe eventually gets his card to play on the PGA Tour he doesn't have it at this stage but um he may well build up enough money, like Min Moo Lee is going about, is doing, Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, accumulating enough money to get temporary status on the PGA Tour and eventually get there full-time in the future. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, I think it's been a very, very impressive start to what is a a more regular PGA Tour campaign for Ryan Fox.
3: You know um, Augusta very well. You know the dimensions, you know the idiosyncrasies of the holes, etc., He's a big hitter, Ryan Fox. Does it suit him?
8: Well, it's a good point, uh, and uh, but that's all part of the learning curve, isn't it? You know the, how to harness that amazing power that he has. I mean, on some of the par fives, it'll be a huge advantage, like um, thirteen and uh, and fifteen, and and uh, more especially on that back nine. But I think he's shown over the last eighteen months or so that his game's more more than <laughs> more than just power. Excuse me, Smithy. His game is more than just power, isn't it? It's, he's got he's got a more complete game now than he's ever had, and I think he'll in those first few practice rounds that he'll get he'll um, he'll learn that um, he'll fi- he'll find his way around the golf course, and uh, you know debuts at Augusta. I um, mean, there's been a few good ones, but. Um, uh, I think an expectation of him to do much more than make the cut and have a very good solid maybe top 30 week, I think if he's able to do that, he'll come away from it that much better for it. So uh, his power will be an advantage, but he's a smarter golfer now than he's ever been, Ryan Fox, and I think he's l- using that power as an absolute asset when it's needed and when it's not needed, uh, he he, he uh, winds back and, and, and really is, becomes a very strategic golfer.
3: Just finally, um, live, just getting back to Liv, of course, it's not too far away that it makes its debut uh, on Australian soil. I'm playing it at the Grange Golf Club in Adelaide, uh, April 17th. One of the big uh, news I've just discovered reading about that tournament coming up, uh, Bruce, it's going to be live on Channel 7 in Australia, which is, of course, one of the major free-to-air networks over there. Which I would imagine has Greg Norman smiling all over his face because the one thing they've been looking to get is television exposure.
8: Well, very much so, and they, you know they've now engaged a very obscure network, and well, maybe not all that obscure, but a, a relatively obscure yeah. from our point of view network in the United States to cover the tournament, tournament their tournaments regularly. But by Channel Seven agreeing to, I think on one of their digital platforms, and I think it's on the mainstream Channel Seven uh outlet i think it's maybe on one of their several digital programs but either way it's going to be free to air and uh that is a huge boost for uh for greg norman and live golf but uh as i said earlier i it you know the the fact that i know they played an event a couple of weeks ago in um in mexico and but the fact that um there's an obscurity about the about that tour at the moment. It's getting a lot of support here. That, by all accounts, has been sellouts for the for the event uh, on the first, uh, well, up throughout the week, according to reports, anyway. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how it goes down in Australia. But certainly, the coverage on the free-to-air network here in Australia will boost rankings, that's for sure. But um, mm. I don't know, Smithy. I'm I'm kind of uh, more of a traditionalist, and I'm. Mm. Despite the fact that there's a lot of hypocrisy in what the PGA Tour have done, and and really, are reacting to live with uh, huge increases in pur- purses, and you wonder where that money was in the first place, but they've certainly lifted their game in that regard. Um, I, I'm I'm still leaning a little bit more towards the uh, more conservative and traditional side of the game than than uh, than Live Golf.
3: Well, I'm in, I'm on your side of the fence. I promise you that, Bruce. Um, yeah, I'm tradition too, and uh, I love those. I love those big tournaments. And um, how much is enough? Uh, I guess how much is enough um, in terms of money. Well, but anyway. I,
8: I think I think I, I, the fact yeah. the fact. Sorry, go ahead. You know, no, no, you
3: go, Bruce. You go.
8: Well, I was just going to say the fact that we're going to be able to see players such as Kepke and and uh, Deshambo. I know we've seen them at the President's Cup down here at Royal Melbourne two or three years ago, but. The fact that we're going to get to see some of those players here—I mean, there's a feeling in Australia that the PGA Tour have never done, gone out of their way to help Australian golf. Um, it's always been a case of their way or the highway. So uh, I think there's a there's a there's a a passion and a, and a love for live down in this part of the world because they feel that at least some great players have been brought to this part of the world. But. Um, I just find that there's a level of obsc- of obscurity now with those great players from the from more recent years like DeChambeau, Kepka and Dustin Johnson uh, because of Liv. and it's just a shame that um, the whole the whole golfing world's not united and 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 uh, pushing forward in a in a more combined way. But I, I can't see that happening for quite some time because, as you and I have discussed in some of our earlier chats, the litigation per- that the, the, the continues to flow is going to mean that uh, there's a divide for quite some time yet, I would think.
3: Bruce Young, always great to catch up with you, sir. I um, like you. I uh, look forward to um, the Masters coming up in three weeks' time, uh, one of my favourite times of the year. Spot on. Thank you, sir. Always, uh, always a pleasure. Yep.
8: Pleasure, Smithy
3: Cheers. Cheers, man. Uh, Bruce Young there, uh, of course, um, uh, probably one of the most uh, renowned sports uh, journalists, particularly when it comes to golf uh, in this country and uh, in Australasia as well, so been listening to him for years great pleasure to talk to him, it's 11.20 here on uh, SCNZ Uh, when we return, it'll be uh, Logan Swinkle's turn at the sports desk
13: 0800 150 811
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter,
2: he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out.
13: Well Indeed. here. Indeed, the- let's find out. Yeah. Indeed, let's find out, shall I say? Yes. Smithy, I'm in I'm in a good mood today. Such good mood, I'm gonna play this song. Good times, come on. Do you know why? Maple Leafs won- finally won a game. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, <laughs> no, the Canterbury Rams have finally announced a signing for the 2023 Sales NBL season, Smithy. Taylor Brett is coming back to the Rams. He uh, averaged 12.7 points last season for them, 3.6 rebounds and 4.5 assists. Great asset for the Canterbury Rams. They now have a player. We can move on and wait for the rest to come through. <laughs> They've been a little bit laid back and coming forward, haven't they? Yeah, I know. I think they're holding quite a few cards very close to their chest. So we'll see how we go. We'll get rid of that music now. Uh, celebration time over. But also the NBL. Uh, this news came out over the weekend. More innovations to come. Uh, we've seen it in the Toihi League, but now the South NBL are also picking it up. Fans and viewers on Sky Sport will now see player timeouts feature for the first time in men's basketball as i mentioned it was introduced with success last year in the inaugural Toihi season it is thought to be a world first these unique timeouts take place on the court and only include the players on the court at the time meaning there is no coach involvement Last year's Toihi competition saw teams progressively get used to this idea and of when and where to use the timeouts which led to clever strategy and in some cases game winning plays. Each team will be permitted one player timeout per half which can only be called by the player in possession of the ball. The player with the ball calling the timeout can be in position on the court, so either in play or as if they were going to attempt to pass the ball from the sideline or the baseline. The player timeouts will run for 30 seconds and only involves the players on the court, meaning the two teams come together on the court and conduct that timeout. At no time can those players approach the bench or interact with the coaches, nor can any of the players or coaches on the bench interact with the players that are on the court. Teams cannot make a substitution during that timeout as well. And upon the restart, the team in possession advances the ball to the front court inbound point and has 14 seconds on the clock as opposed to the usual 24 Was it 30 in the NBL? I can't remember. Uh, Unless there was less than 14 seconds remaining on the shot clock when they call that timeout, and if so, the game will restart with the amount that's left on the shot clock. If the timeout was called by a player passing in from the baseline under their own basket, they will return to the same spot as which they asked for the timeout. So expect plenty of cunning strategy to come in the sales NBL this season, Smithy.
3: I look forward to that, actually. I look forward to the way that coaches are going to get around this. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, uh, and uh, we're going to get to the point where there is a designated fan who is actually part of the coaching group but not like dressed like one who the coach <laughs> will just go to and say you can yell out what you like because you're not part of the coaching group but you can yell out advice if you like um, uh, really <laughs> really um, time out's a timeout, isn't it it's a stoppage in the game
13: isn't it yeah well uh, Brent Marahari if you're listening I'll have an earpiece then uh, so for games when, yeah. when the Nuggets are in Auckland. Uh, also, uh, on ESPN, this is a good one for fans of the Raiders, and I've already canvassed the biggest Raiders fan that I know on this, that being one, Ricardo Ball. They have filled a need at their quarterback position by picking up Jimmy Garofalo from the San Francisco 49ers. Sources told ESPN that he has agreed to a three year, $67.5 million deal, including 34 million guaranteed. He will be reunited with Raiders coach Josh McDaniels who served as the Patriots offensive coordinator during Garoppolo's three year term with the Patriots. The Raiders uh, released their longtime starting quarterback Derek Carr last month and it is also believed that Jarrett Stidham the quarterback who replaced Carr as the starter for their final two games of the season is expected to sign a two year contract with the Broncos to back up Russell Wilson uh, according to Ricardo Ball he's calling this a short term fix short term fix
3: I'm not that happy about Garoppolo leaving the 49ers to be perfectly honest but they did discover was it Brock Purdy last year was it yeah I mean he was absolutely outstanding so Uh, But then, of course, he got injured um, in Super Bowl and then the backup quarterback got injured and we ended up having a guy with one arm and no legs as a quarterback. Um, I mean, how how are we going to win that? So we got pretty, uh, we weren't even close. We weren't even close. Uh, And that was, sorry, that was the last playoff game before the, um, that was a conference playoff um, and, and the 49ers were eliminated in that. So, nah. I don't know. I'm not sure about those quarterback moves.
13: Well, we'll, see. Sure we'll see if this one pays off because, uh, as we know, Garoppolo has had quite a checkered history with his injuries. Uh, so if he stays healthy, could be a good move. But if, mm. uh, if he has trouble once again with his various ankle, shoulder, thumb and knee injuries, as he has had uh, during his time with the Niners, mm. the Raiders might be looking elsewhere again.
3: They might. They absolutely might. Is that it from you? Is that it from you this morning? okay that's thumbs up right uh, it's uh, 11 31 uh, first of all we will go to uh, araha for the news and when she's complete with that she's going to help across into uh, a different role uh we're going to talk some ag insights with araha being tuesday morning at this time with the
2: very latest in rural news this is ag insights on mornings with ian
1: smith collier's rural and agribusiness license rea 2008
3: yep we do this uh, every tuesday morning around this time and uh, it's our chance to uh, catch up on uh, things rural and uh, this morning uh, araha um, it's uh, a subject which is uh, impacting us at the supermarkets etc because uh, we're talking about food prices being up 12 percent in february 12 percent higher than they were a year earlier it's the biggest increase uh, i understand Since 1989, my God, that's when Adam was a cowboy. Were you Uh, around Yeah, I was, I was, actually quite a long way around. Uh, Here's the thing, here is the thing, Um, why? Just when we're we're getting smacked with cyclones and and flooding Mm. and all sorts of areas, we get dinged with this as well.
7: Well, I have done a lot of research into this because anything that affects how much money I have left to spend on bluff oysters, which we'll get to later, is dear to my heart. There are lots of layers all coming at the same time, things like the war in Ukraine and inflation, but I think we can listen to those stories all the time and it's very easy to hear words and have words like inflation and um, the... Um, gross domestic product, and then having rates changed, it all sort of just goes over your head because it gets too much. But as soon as you go to the supermarket and you see that a tomato costs, I don't even know now. I don't buy them anymore. That's why. And you feel yeah. like it's, you feel like prices are going up. But until you see the statistic that it's twelve percent more, I mean, the thing that really got me was potatoes were more than double. So they've had a price increase, and I'm, I'm a bit of a maths nerd. I hate saying 117% because that's not a real thing. But it's over 100% price increase on potatoes. and Sorry, 48% on potatoes, and it was tomatoes that were mm. up 100, almost 120%. So that's why mm. I don't buy them anymore. I just put tomato sauce on everything.
3: <clears throat> well, fruit and veg, um, up as much as 23% year on year. I mean, these are the things where we have thrown down our neck that we've got to eat to stay alive, to be healthy. So uh, it's a double-edged sword there. The fruit and veg, I mean, you've got to have it.
7: People who live in a lower socioeconomic demographic have always struggled with this, with this issue, which is why they've always been forced into buying cheaper... I'm doing the inverted commas thing. Cheaper, less nutritious mm. food groups because they've been historically out of their budgets. Well, now it's almost out of the budget for anyone and everyone. Um, so, you know, the second largest contributor was fruit and veggies, but the biggest contributor was our everyday groceries, eggs and cheese and potato chips. I remember potato chips. They they were great last year when they were like <laughs> two bucks a packet.
3: Yeah, Now I, I get the gist. $10 through a drive-thru
7: for a, I don't know. Yes, I, remember when, I remember when McDonald's combos were $5. You wouldn't get a bag of chips for that now. But on a serious note, it's affecting every single person. It doesn't matter where you sit, at the top or at the bottom. It's affecting everyone.
3: Mm. Okay, let's get away from that then and talk about cowpats. <laughs> you, could, you, you couldn't get any further removed from uh, a, a, price of, um, a price of fruit and veg I don't know, they're pats, looking so good
7: now, aren't they?
3: <laughs> we don't want to don't tell me you're going thinking about eating them, yeah, you can cook them because they're a fuel. they used to be a fuel cowpats, and you can also put them on the side of your house back in the day but now, they, what, these days they're throwing them. How could you how far can you throw one?
7: Well see my only experience with cowpats is not when they're in a throwable stage. It was when you walked through the fields <laughs> and you're, you were barefoot and you would put your feet in them to warm your feet up. Have you heard those stories?
3: I've done that. I've yes. done that as a kid. okay, yeah. good. I feel yeah. much
7: better now because I was like, is this an overshare with smithy? So I know them in, let's say, a more liquid state. But once they're dry and they become almost Valerie Adams throwable, um, they need a bit of wind under them to get a bit of lift, apparently. There's some aerodynamics oh, involved. But there's a di- there's an event for it specifically. There's like a... About 45,000 people go to the rural games and they biff cowpats.
3: Seriously? Paddy and, and Daisy and what, will be there. Uh, Palmerston North, I think, was the venue. I think, wow, 45,000. They'd love to get uh, 45,000 to a couple of games of rugby in Palmerston North. So that's how the world's changed. <laughs> it's too expensive, rugby balls.
7: To... You, you've got to get cowpats. To <laughs>
3: 45,000 to watch people throw a cow pat and 45 people to watch them throw a cricket ball. But that's
7: exactly what we need at the moment when we're facing a cost-of-living crisis, huge Mm. increases in the costs of day-to-day groceries. We're not talking extravagant stuff, eggs and bread and milk. You need to get together in your community and um, throw some stuff around, see some people. Well,
3: there's there's no point talking about the last one on the evidence of what you've just been going on about then. Is there bluff oysters,
7: bluff Oysters. I'll never see them again. I've tried. I've gone online to see if there are people who can get me some Bluff oysters delivered to the studio for under $30. So watch the space. But the Bluff oysters are back. And I had a little look. This this story came out. I did a story on it last week about, because Bluff oysters have had to, the Bluff um, oyster food, Bluff's Annual Oyster and Food Festival, I think that's the full title. Yes, that's it. They had to can it, it yeah. a couple of times because of COVID. And then they're also not doing it this year, which I was gutted about. You know, you can get whole jugs, like um beer jugs, full of Bluff mm. oysters down there. um. But they've also canned this year's event because the site that they were going to do it on, and next to it, that site's been declared dangerous. They're hoping it's going to be back for next year. But uh, Graham Wright, who's part of Barnes Oysters, Said this season's looking good so far, and they were hoping to harvest seven and a half million oysters this year. I just want one punnet. Seven and a half, man. Seven Seven and and a half half million oysters in this year's season.
3: Just one. Just one punnet.
7: Just one punnet. That'd be enough. You know, I haven't eaten bread for four weeks. I've saved up my my grocery money <laughs> so I can get a punnet of oysters. Oh, yeah. I am no, I don't want to make fun of the cost of living crisis because it's a serious thing. But, you know, I still am because it's my coping mechanism. Thank you, Smithy. <laughs> Thank you
3: very much, uh, Aroa. Listen, uh, if anyone's uh, anyone out there um, is feeling at all compassionate to uh, Aroa's cause, then, uh, yeah, a, a dozen oysters, a dozen bluffies. Um no a, you're a making price. me sound like
7: I'm begging for them. No, stop it.
3: No, okay. I'll split right. it with you. You're not begging for them. Yeah, I'll beg for them. I'm happy to beg for them, and you can get the profit of it. Ottawa, thank you very much. Um, um, very, very interesting. Uh, that Now, that is uh, interesting. We've gone from tomatoes to potatoes to cowpats to oysters. Now, that is what you call a farming board
2: field, summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. 11.46, uh,
3: Plunkett Shield news is that um, after a washout yesterday, they're going to play in Rangiora today. That's the game that um, Will Young's gone back to. Um, and uh, that uh, is, uh, Canary have won the toss, Conchie has won the toss and uh, they're going to bat first. And it's a return to cricket actually for Bevan Small. A man or two around the first time back in the Stags for five years. Interesting. I thought he might have given it away. Texts that have come in of interest, uh, and they all are, by the way. Uh, I've already had three dozen oysters now. With the increase in super, I'll be able to afford more. That's Rex. Good on your Rex, good man. Um, Tim says there's a bar down here that did $100 for all you can eat bluff oysters. Amazing, $100 worth. That's what uh, current price uh, about two and a half dozen, maybe three dozen. You can get uh, if you're big. Three dozen? Mm, I know some guys that make a mess of three dozen oysters, I promise you that. Uh, Brian says, I listened to your multi yesterday, this was the one with the cricket, and put the $52 that I had on from the Wellington Phoenix, all on the black cap, so I got 220 back. My question is this, had it been a draw with the TAB giving me half the money back as New Zealand didn't lose the game? No, Brian, um, a draw was an option, I think you'll find. Uh, the draw was an option. Um, England, uh, sorry... Sri Lanka winning, New Zealand winning, and a draw. The other three options as such. I'm not sure you can get money on a tie. That would have been interesting. A lot of speculation would have been that um, had uh, Kane Williamson been run out, the match would have been a tie. Well, it wouldn't have been, of course. It would have been a draw because New Zealand had not lost all of their wickets. A tie results when uh, you lose the 10th wicket in that run chase, that second innings run chase. A draw is when you've got a wicket left in the bank or more wickets left in the bank, even though the scores are identical. So it would have been a draw yesterday, uh, just a point of uh, reference there. Uh, Read the players' golf, uh, how good that uh, Tom Hogue, struggling to make the cut at one point, uh, gets in, in the field and then shoots the course record of 62 the very next day. Uh, What a change in fortune that was. Yeah, Tom Hogue, he's a golfer to look out for. One of the best iron players, they say, on the PGA Tour. He'll be around uh, at many, many tournament close finishes. Uh, Smitty, huge amount of chat about Henry Nichols. Uh, For me, Michael, Bracewell has been a far bigger disappointment. He can't really take wickets, doesn't create enough pressure to restrict runs, and batting has been pretty average. Uh we'd be better to either pick an out-and-out batsman or bowler rather than an all-rounder who can't really excel at either. Interesting point. I, I, I get your sentiment completely here. Michael Bracewell, if you went to him, uh, I think he would be the first to say, I have under-delivered in the role that they've given me. I have not been able to put the brakes on scoring. I have not been able to produce runs at key situations. And that was a classic yesterday. I thought that uh, when Michael Bracewell came out, Uh, support to Kane Williamson after the hard work that Mitchell did. uh, I thought it was pretty much a a lay down Mazzia that New Zealand would win and win by three to four wickets. Didn't get it done again Michael Bracewell. Really haven't studied his his bowling to a great degree I understand it's a developing skill of his but at the moment it's not of test match winning standard. It, It is simply not. It's not creating enough impression so Um, and it's the same with Henry Nicholls I go back to what I said before Um, you know he's had enough chances he he, he has been a fine player he's done some good things for New Zealand played some really good fighting innings but he's not doing it at the moment and test cricket for me is like test rugby it's like the highest level you don't go to that level to find form you go to that level to display form that you've got going into it And, and he's got no form he hasn't, neither of those two players are contributing enough and uh, that's what we talk about um, going forward uh, wins are great wins but uh, you're just papering over the cracks and those cracks are continuing to widen in the uh, particular case of those two players they'll get another chance I would imagine at the Basin because New Zealand uh, have won those two test matches they'll go back to the Basin with the same plan probably pretty much the same uh, look about their side they have no Wagner of course uh, but they'll have Henry and they'll, they'll have Southie. Uh they should include Doug Bracewell for the injury and then again uh, it depends what they do at the other end will they play an extra batsman I'm encouraged by the fact that they've uh, sent Will Young away to get some cricket uh, because there's no practice like match practice you can bat in the nets all you like but to actually get in the, and play some match cricket um, in the heat of the moment with uh, all fielders around you you don't have fielders in the nets you've got fielders all around you uh i think it's a much much better exercise for will young so i'm hoping on that basis that means he's gonna get an opportunity at the base reserve where last time around of course he missed out twice jared um jared's come in and said yet another classic finish to a test match the was that my local and our quiz master sam delayed the start of the quiz so we could all watch the finish to another black caps win uh, that is good news jared yeah i mean they don't come around very often those uh, last ball wins two and two weeks, quite a staggering quite staggering, uh, could Mitchell bat at four and Phillips come in at five, yep uh, I think whatever you give Daryl Mitchell to do, he'll do it for you remember when he was a hero in the T20 opening the batting, not that long ago, he's just that kind of cricketer isn't he Darryl Mitchell he's a absolute soldier he's a terrific player and uh, discovered a wee bit late maybe uh, but then again he's come in as a very mature man and made one hell of a difference at times. So Phillips I like. I like that uh, that, that kind of player coming into the side. What's happened to Hamish Rutherford? Perhaps uh, Justin not as consistent as he needed to be at the time. So um, and probably more suited to batting at the top of the order. So is he a possibility? Not outrageous. As I said before, Jeet Raval is another one who's finding some really important form. So uh, those players that have been there, had a taste of it, gone away and worked on it. They're quite, they're quite valuable when they come back second time round. It is 11.52, uh, uh, just a, a little time for a chat with staff before we hand over.